Are you ready? Yes, I am. Let's take a walk. Welcome to Two Redheads Walking to a Podcast. I'm Lori. And I'm Dallas. Do you feel alone and confused in your healthcare fight? Do you struggle to get your doctors to listen? Luckily, you don't have to brave your illness on your own. There are people out there to help. Today, Dr. Seema Khan joins us to provide you an overview of patient advocacy. Whether you have a chronic illness or that rare zebra of a condition, patient advocates can help you understand the medical jargon and help you get some relief in an uncertain world. Step right up, because here we go. Good morning. Good afternoon. Or good evening, wherever you're listening in the world. Health. Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> We've already covered. We both have some issues in that arena. I mean, when you're talking about health and healthcare, it's just a cacophony of things. I like that word. We should Pulling keep out the there. big word. I know. <laughs> I'm like all encyclopedia. No, I'm like all dictionary today. Yes. Okay. Using words. I can't get encyclopedia and dictionary, right? <laughs> That's fine. Words are hard. Words are hard. <laughs> yes, they are. Well, but especially yes. words are hard when you're talking to your doctors, right? Yes, definitely. You're trying to understand what they're telling you, which they may not be trained well in communicating yes. to their patients in layman's terms. It may be difficult for you to communicate your symptoms and right. signs effectively, right? And quickly, yes. because nowadays with doctors, you only have 10 minutes. You know, It's like rapid fire. <laughs> Absolutely. Get in, get out. So today we are going to be talking with a patient advocate. We're going to find out what are patient advocates. I'm really looking forward to this. And I have a feeling that this is going to be so helpful to our listeners. Yes, I would concur. Because there's a real lack of help sometimes when you Absolutely. have to talk about coordinating and all of your doctors, we were talking about time management last week. And ah, that's a lot of extra tasks to be yes. able to research your illness, to be able to coordinate with your doctors, to be able to download medical records, to do all of that stuff. Yes. Especially when you have, you have your general practitioner and suppose it involves skin or an eye doctor. And mm -hmm. then you've also got your specialist, whether it's a right. neurologist or rheumatologist and immunologist, you could be dealing with potentially four plus doctors on a regular basis. Exactly. And that can, one doctor can overwhelm me much less <laughs> four. And if you're a zebra, well, ooh, hopefully you find the right doctors, but patient advocates, one of the things that they are able to help with is to get an understanding of some of these rarer diseases out there and to get you in contact with the proper medical professionals to be able to help you diagnose your zebraness. Okay. Now back that up mm -hmm. and please explain to me what a zebra is because I'm thinking, okay, black and white animal roaming the, roaming the safari has nothing exactly. to do with medicine. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. And that's pretty common. Even the first time that my GP, my general practitioner said, well, you're a zebra. And I went, okay, <laughs> what does that mean? I don't get it. The old saying, and this is how doctors are kind of taught. If you hear hoofbeats, think horse, not zebra. And it was basically to say, if you notice something 
go to the most common cause of that uh-huh. and not immediately go off into the exotic side, right? Okay. Because when you hear hoofbeats, you know, the more common would be a horse. That's or a what cow. Or a cow for us from the Midwest and the South. Yes, a cow, right? Instead of a horse. But that was the reasoning. And that's where zebra comes from. It is just a designation for doctors that says we're on the rarer side of things now. We need to think exotic because we've ruled out all of the common side. Ah, I see. Gotcha. Gotcha. With zebras... Some doctors, especially because of the way that, you know, they're just overwhelmed with patients now, they have to see so many during a day. Yes. Some doctors don't like dealing with zebras at all. And by that too, I mean, people with chronic diseases because they can take a lot of their time. So one of the things we'll find with a patient advocate today is how you can streamline that process for your doctors, help them to help you. Joining us today to talk more in depth about patient advocates is Dr. Seema Khan from Healthcare Advocacy Partners. Welcome, Dr. Khan. It's a pleasure to have you you here today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. So we have lots of questions. We're going to start off with one of our first. Lori, you had asked me this. (laughs) Yes, because I, again, our experiences were so different with our doctors. So this is all new to me. So I'm very excited to have you share with us today. So I guess the first question would be, what is your job in basic or layman's terms? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm sad to hear that you didn't know what an advocate was because um, we'll get into this later, but I think there it's a really important job. So what do I do? I function as the project manager or as Dallas put it, quarterback for someone who is trying to navigate through a health issue and it's not your job. You don't know about it. You don't know where to go and what is okay to say, where it's okay to push and how to get through the system. So that's what I do. And I actually didn't really understand what a quarterback did because I'm not a football person (laughs) until I started doing this job and people kept saying, oh, it's like the quarterback. And so now I feel like I have a much better idea, but that's what I do. Project manager is something that resonates better with me, but it's keeping track of all the pieces of someone's health journey. And sometimes that is being the diplomatic mission to the doctor, or sometimes it's gathering all the information, all the records and organizing it into something that is easy for both the medical providers to understand and also hopefully the patient who's my client to understand. And sometimes it's research, figure out who's doing whatever it is that we need done. Mm -hmm. So it's project management, I feel like really encompasses it. Okay. That sounds amazing. I can't wait to delve deeper into (laughs) that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, because Lori, your experience, you had a very direct route. 
it was, okay, I think I have autoimmune. Okay, we tested. Okay, it's scleroderma. Okay, you're done. Yes. <laughs> and there was a large network of doctors who were familiar with scleroderma. Your own doctor was actually mm -hmm. familiar with it, yes. which is kind of on the rare side sometimes to find yes. a doctor, your primary mm -hmm. care, who has the right information or understanding of autoimmune in particular yes. diseases. So they know where to point you and what to do next. Right. But my, in my, my case, my experiences have been great. Even my eye doctor. Oh, I have this. Okay. Well, we need to stay on top of your one once a year. My dermatologist. Oh, okay. You definitely need to get you in, you know, once a year chiropractor. Okay. Well, we're definitely going to keep an eye on any changes for you. So I've aside from actually being told I have it, I have had nothing but positive experiences. So that is so amazing. I feel like you are so lucky. And I, I feel like I'm in the in the minority though. You are. Yeah. You yes. are in the minority. She is a zebra unicorn. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, but yeah. Up. So that's exactly <laughs> what Dr. Khan has been providing for me. We don't know which doctors to go to. Mm -hmm. She's been doing a lot of the research to say, okay, what do we look at next as far as what disease area this could be? And then bringing up some doctors, you know, I'm not familiar sometimes with a patient. What does a rheumatologist do versus what does an immunologist do versus what right. is it? And then your immunologist, you have to be really particular. Is that an allergy specialist or an immune specialist? Exactly. <laughs> those are actually kind of different. Yep. So it's They're related, but they are different. Exactly. Mm -hmm, so it's really mm -hmm. good to have, and that's what patient advocates can really provide, is that project management. What is the next task? Right. Who are the good, the key players, right? Your your personnel that you bring in to get the information that you need. Right. Okay. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. Now, off of that, when would someone need a patient advocate? Like when would you suggest someone start looking for a person like you and yeah. where would they go to find one? Yeah, good question. So I think that anytime you get a significant diagnosis, you or a mystery. So we'll talk about mysteries kind of separately. But if you have a <laughs> significant diagnosis, it is really helpful to have an advocate because you are lost in this. You know how you felt when you got your diagnosis? Yes. You had such a good experience after that, but most people don't have that beautiful of an experience. So once you have that diagnosis and you feel like you are drowning out in the ocean, it is amazingly helpful to have somebody who can help you not feel lost, like, you know, the life jacket when you're out in the middle of the ocean. Mm -hmm. And to interject a story, which is how I became an advocate after practicing OBGYN for about 25 years, my parents both had really significant illnesses. And my mother had Alzheimer's. And so mm. it's sort of more cut and dried where you know what it is, mm -hmm. you know what the trajectory is. Right. And, but my dad had a type of leukemia and I could not be in the doctor brain. I was his child. Right. And right. what I didn't want was I didn't want my dad to die. That's kind of all I could think about. Right. And so I wasn't doing my best thinking about what he needed. Mm -hmm. And my husband's a doctor also. 
But, you know, we weren't emotionally equipped to be that, you know, sort of a little bit removed manager of this mm-hmm. project and the thinking that you need to have to figure out what does need to happen. We we couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And somehow toward the end of his illness, I was able to click into that, you know, that brain, like what's mm-hmm. going on here and what do we need to do? But I think it would have been amazingly helpful for us to have an advocate. So even two physicians, you know, we were, we were too emotionally involved. So I feel like that's really a telling recommendation, I think, for why people need an advocate. I also had an episode with a very close family member who had a concussion and we were out of town, but we were in a town where I know a lot of people and called up one of my good friends and mentors, who is the person who started the National Association of Healthcare Advocacy. And I called her up and said, here's what happened. And I'm totally freaked out. And she said, I'll be right there and Mm -hmm. came to the ER with us. So again, another example where I I really couldn't be that rational person that is needed (laughs) as an advocate when it happens to you or your family. So what I always tell people is like, everybody needs an advocate and it should be a part of our medical care. And it is not sadly, but it should be. So how do people find me? I would say the vast majority Google some combination of words like patient, advocate, health, navigator, healthcare, advocate, all those things. And it's amazing now. I mean, we've been at this as a really sort of an organized profession for about 15 to 16 years. And in the beginning, of course, it was really hard for people to find it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people didn't know about it. So now there are a bunch of organizations and most of us who are really deeply into it belong to all of them. So the National Association of Healthcare Advocacy that I mentioned first, NAC.com, N-A-H-I-C.com, has a directory. There is one of our former board members started an organization that is basically just a clearinghouse for people finding advocates. It's called Greater National Advocates. And you can just Google that. And wherever you are, you can find an advocate if there is one there. There's not advocates everywhere. There's also an organization called Association of Professional Health Advocacy. So if you do that, it's aphassociation.com, something like that. And they have a directory. There's also locally in, well, it's now national, but it's called Health Advocate X. And they have a directory. So if you Google those terms, some or all of those organizations are going to show up. And then you can search for your area or the type of advocate you want. Okay. Much easier now. We'll definitely have to make a list of those. And yeah, we'll put them up on the website Mm -hmm. for everyone for our episodes so that they can get to them quick and easy. Dr. Cohen, you were talking about earlier, there's a lot of different organizations out there and a whole bunch of advocates now available to us here in the United States. What do I look for in a patient advocate to find, you know, the best match for me, I guess. Right. Which was you. (laughs) (laughs) 
Exactly. Thank you. So like in everything, recommendations to me are the most important thing. However, having said that, okay, you are a person who just Googles patient, navigator, advocate, whatever. You come up with one of these directories, you look and there's a whole list of people. And how do you know what's going to be helpful to you? So I think first question is, do you need somebody who's right where you are? So do you need somebody to go to doctor's appointments with you and who really knows the medical community in your area? So that's going to limit it some. Or do you not need that? Because I do, particularly with the pandemic, it's really shown us that we can do the vast majority of our work online Mm -hmm. with Zoom or phone calls. And I have attended so many doctor's appointments virtually since the Mm -hmm. pandemic. And I'm happy to go to appointments in person if possible, but I'm never going to drive an hour to someone's house anymore to meet them. There's Mm -hmm. no reason to. So do you really need somebody right there? Which sometimes the answer is yes. Next is what is the type of advocate you are looking for? Do you need somebody who really has medical knowledge? That will screen out a whole bunch of people because there are advocates who help with insurance. God bless them. Because (laughs) I don't want to do it at all. I don't even want to learn what I need to, to do that. I just am not interested. But there are people when someone needs help with insurance issues, I can send them to advocates who really specialize in this, who do a fabulous job. And it's, it's really a wonderful thing. Do you need somebody who really knows medicine? Mm -hmm. You know, for that, I would say, you, in general, are far better off with a doctor or a nurse. Mm -hmm. Lots of nurses who are advocates. There are getting to be more and more physicians. Still, I would say the majority are nurses. How long have they been at it? I don't know that I would necessarily hire someone to be my advocate who's been at it a month. But on the other hand, they may be fabulous. They may have been a nurse for 30 years and just started doing advocacy and would be fantastic. So some of it is trial and error. And I also think most advocates give about a half an hour or so, 20 minutes to 30 minutes, a free interview to see what's going on with you. Can I help you? And is it a good fit personality wise Mm -hmm. and knowledge wise? Does it seem like a good fit? And there are also advocates who specialize in certain areas. So (laughs) I have just sort of ended up a bit specialized in zebra territory (laughs) for whatever reason. I've always been really interested in that, even in my my whole medical career, in odd illnesses that aren't what you think and what else could this be? And let's really try to get this person the right care for this thing. So I probably was a natural to end up in that area, but it's also you know, I'm an OBGYN. And I still do a little bit of clinical work. So women's health is my area. And 
as we all know, women often get dismissed when their symptoms don't fit with sort of the algorithm, the perfect right. pathway. And when women get dismissed, it kind of puts my hackles up. Yeah. And so I immediately go to, okay, we're going to fight this and we are going to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People have areas of specialization. Okay. Dr. Cod, when you find a patient advocate and you said it's going to be a little bit of trial and error and finding yes. your, your perfect fit for your patient advocate, what type of info or medical documentations should someone have ready for that meeting? What would you recommend to them? What I like, because I really delve into the medical stuff, after we've had our half hour discussion about what the issue is, can I help them? Do they want to work with me, etc. Then I will send a whole bunch of forms to people to fill out. And other than a service agreement and HIPAA, you know, kind of the usual things. I want a medical history. It's not the most absolute in-depth, but I want a medical history. I want to know what illnesses you have, what medicines you're taking, what treatments have you had for this illness, and have they worked? And who are the doctors that you are seeing? So I have that form. So it's not like people have to think about what do I need ahead of time. Then after I get that and I uh, review it and then I meet with my clients, usually I'm going to want some medical records. And sometimes I know that ahead of time. So I often send at the very beginning the release of information form so I can get medical records. And I want people to know that that is coming and I need to look at your medical records because sometimes you don't understand what they've told you. And (laughs) I can look at it and see, oh, here's what they meant. And then I can go back to my client. Did you know that they were saying this? And this is what they think you have? Anyway, so I want to read straight from the horse's mouth. I want to know what the doctor said. What did Mm -hmm. they... And also you may not... Some people, one of us here on this call, is really good at getting information and organizing information. But not everybody is. So people will say, I had a test and I don't exactly remember what it was and it was abnormal. Actually, that's helpful for me to know what that test was and how abnormal. So anyway, so I want medical records. And often we can't even proceed further with figuring out what to do without those medical records. The other thing that I find more and more is incredibly helpful to me is I would really like to have access for the most part to people's portal for their medical information. So my chart is the commonly used one in my area. And if there is nothing in there that is going to be different than requesting records, which people usually are fine with. So it's there's nothing different about it that I'm going to learn. She said I can get the answers immediately. So I want people to be prepared for the fact that I might want to have access to their my chart. And I feel like if you are hesitant to do that, then you need to think about how much trust you have in this advocate. I 
practiced medicine for 25 years and then continue to do some. And I have access to all of the most personal things about people's healthcare. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anything surprising with it, right? <laughs> and plus I follow HIPAA. So I think people need to know, like, I need to know the gory details. I think that's the thing I want people to know. Right. I can't say I've seen it all. Probably I haven't, but I've, <laughs> I've seen a lot of it, whatever it is. And so right. there's not going to be anything that I'm going to feel disdainful or whatever. So I think people need to think about that. And if we're going to really get this thing solved, I need to really know about you. Yes. And I will say too, that giving access to those kinds of records, if you have a patient advocate who is a doctor or nurse practicing in the profession, and you can actually get them access, even though the law has recently changed on this, there are still some notes that your doctors make that you can't see. So getting another doctor's access to your records gives you then that direct access to the, again, the notes you can't see, right? the things your doctors have said in the records. Uh, mm-hmm. So that law has changed recently. You can yes. now get full access to all notes and records, but the technology hasn't caught up just yet Yes, to be able to do that. Dr. Khan said a little bit earlier, you may not understand what they said in those right. notes you can't see. They right. may be using a lot of doctor jargon, a yep. lot of medical jargon. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is giving access to those records will save you some time and energy. And we just talked about time management in our last episode. And it's a lot of tasks for you to individually go in, download your records, compile that, get that over through a secure server to your patient advocate. So keep that in mind. Right. Not not just time management, but energy management, mental management. I mean, yes stressful in itself. Right. Exactly. Agree. I'm kind of an information junkie. I want as much information as I can Mm -hmm. have. So for me, the more I know, the more I can understand it and figure out where do we go next? Yes. The best way to look at it is you can't complete the puzzle without all the pieces. Yes. That's a great way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Now, Dr. Khan, one of the things that I struggled with as I was getting a handle on this disease and why I kind of reached out to you in the first place was because I found it difficult to talk to my doctors sometimes, getting the proper information out from them, conveying certain things to them about my symptoms or not. So what is the most important recommendation you'd give to patients about talking to their doctors? You know, that is a hard one. And I listened to your podcast where the two of you talked about autoimmune diseases. (laughs) And I had a lot of thoughts about that. I think that you want to be respectful of the doctor's time in terms of they only have a certain amount of time to see a zillion patients. But on the other hand, you need to advocate for what you need. And the system is broken. So particularly if you have a zebra and you don't fit into the nice algorithm of medicine, here's the symptoms, here's the signs, I know what this is, here's the treatment, goodbye. If that isn't how it goes, then you, I think you actually need to be assertive at getting what you need. So how do you accomplish that given that your doctor has limited time? 
one way is to be super organized. So I usually recommend having an agenda for a visit where here are the questions that we need answered today. And I tell people to print it out and write the answers in as the visit is going on. Or if I attend the visit, I will write it. And then I will write it up afterwards as sort of a report of here's what we asked, here's what was said, here's the next steps. So I think that you can let a doctor know what you know, what you have found out. On the other hand, Dr. Google does not equal my medical license. I know we've Mm -hmm. all heard that. So don't bring everything you've heard online to your doctor because some of it is nothing. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to bring a bunch of information, get it from reputable sources. (laughs) Don't just take anybody off of Dr. Google. (laughs) Uh So, Mm -hmm. but, so it's this balance between being a bit pushy when it is needed and not overwhelming them with extraneous, irrelevant, or sort of disorganized bunches of information thrown at them. So I say make an agenda, try to be organized. If you feel like your doctor is dismissing you or not listening to you or not taking your symptoms seriously enough, what I usually tell people is, okay, then it's time to change doctors. Yes, yes. It's, you know, sometimes you can't get what you need. And we're going to keep looking till we get a doctor that's going to work because really you deserve that and they should listen to you. Right. Absolutely. And that is something that a lot of people I have talked to with these kind of diseases, they kind of struggle with. Yes, you know, absolutely. I don't yes. feel like I, can I give up my doctor? Should I, they're not paying attention to me. They're, they're really rude. And I'm like, yeah, yes. but would you take that from your car mechanic? Yeah. You know, if your car mechanic was rude to you or dismissed the knocking and banging you heard in your car, would you go back to them? No, no. you'd find no. another one. Right. Exactly. It's, it's so funny to hear. I totally understand. And I have had doctors, I feel like that in the past, but like my doctor now, I've even told my husband, you know, if we ever move, I'm just coming back every six months to visit my doctor. I'm never giving her up. Yes. There is an orthopedic surgeon in LA that I'm not going to anybody else. Mm -hmm. He was brilliant. He knew exactly what to do all the time. Exactly. (laughs) Do you find that if you do have, like you said, not Dr. Google, WebMD, everyone has the same disease, no matter what your symptoms, but if you do find <laughs> a reputable source and some information that maybe you have questions of, let's just say a, a treatment course that you, you randomly found and it's a right. legit something. Do you feel like doctors might get offended by you bringing that up? Because sometimes I hear that as well as I'm the doctor, but if you're bringing in well-intentioned, well-researched mm-hmm information, should they get offended or find that they do get offended? Is their hubris too big to take suggestions from you? Right. Sometimes. So I am really a big proponent of changing doctors when that interaction doesn't work for you. There is no one who deserves to be dismissed. Right. Mm -hmm. I think the more secure a doctor feels in their knowledge and their skill, the less likely they are to take offense when you bring 
a potential course of treatment or a new idea. So yeah, I'm really big on changing doctors when it's not working. (laughs) Definitely. Mm -hmm. But I like that thought that if you have your doctor, I think one of the ways that I found, and I have that type of information, and Dr. Khan actually kind of helped me work with the phrasing sometimes with my doctors of how to bring something up. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. In more of a, a question, have you heard of this before? Are you familiar with this one? What should I know about this? Kind of play into the hubris. Right. 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 Are you familiar with this? Have you heard of success with this? Right. Mm -hmm. Would you recommend something like this? You really want to to get their opinion, not specifically tell them this is what we're going to do. Because I mean, I would even take offense with that. If somebody tried to tell me how to time manage directly, (laughs) (laughs) I might be like, really, dude, you sure about that? I've had 25 years experience in that. So let's back down a little. Right. But depending on how somebody comes at it, like, oh, this is a new method I've seen. I don't Mm -hmm. know how much research has been done here. Have you heard Mm -hmm. anything about it yet? Right. Or I'm a member of the support group online for scleroderma. A lot of people have said this has helped them. What do you think of it? What do you know about it? Right. Okay. And I will say a friend of mine just had an experience with, and I don't know how comfortable I feel with this, the Google AI. Because of what she was dealing with, she had a skin cancer. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was going to have to go in for treatment. And the treatment that they were standardized recommending is very invasive and not pleasant. And Google AI actually came up with some information as she was looking at other sites about this alternative treatment. And she took it into her doctor and her doctor was like, oh my gosh, that's right. That's available, but it's only available to people on Medicare. She was about ready to go on to that insurance. So her doctor said, let's wait. Oh my God, that's amazing. Much shorter period of time, Uh better recovery, better results. And it was Google AI. How interesting. Because I haven't heard that one. I don't know how comfortable I feel about that. Right. (laughs) That That they are monitoring everything we do that is concerning. But But helpful. helpful. (laughs) It was helpful. It had a positive outcome. So I guess that was a bad thing. (laughs) And I expect there will be more and more of that as AI is more widely used and more refined. Yes. So another recommendation that Dr. Khan had made that I cannot propose enough was she was able to put together a condensed version of my medical history in Dr. Speak for each of the different disciplines across the time frame that I am able to give to a new doctor. And I cannot Very tell nice. you how many of my doctors, when I show up and I give them that piece of paper and they are able to immediately go through everything, how appreciative they have been. They're Wonderful. like, this is fantastic. I am not going to go down rabbit holes that you've been down before. They have the full scope of what's going on Right. Immediately, and they're ready to go to the next step. I'm really glad to hear how helpful that has been for your doctors. And I know for me, it's helpful that I'm producing this thing that I know I want. If I have someone new come to me who's had lots of medical care and lots of procedures and treatments and lots of potential diseases explored, this is what I want. So I mean, this is from my experience practicing medicine. I know <laughs> this is what I would want. And so I'm not surprised, but I'm really also really happy to hear that it's helpful. And that's one reason to go through your medical records so that I can produce that. And so 
-hmm. everybody doesn't have to because oh my god you know how long that takes to go through especially when you've you've gotten years and years down the road right exactly Exactly. so see we are through with the questions right now i wanted to ask you were there any other stories you'd like to tell us or you said you heard our autoimmune podcast (laughs) and you had some thoughts did you want to expand on anything for that the difference in your experience, Lori, versus mm-hmm. yours, Dallas, is so striking and makes me sad and happy that you have such a good experience, Lori. But I it also was that think, bittersweet, though. You know, yeah, it's like, bittersweet, right? Yes, yes, you know what it is. It's scleroderma, though. Yeah, mm. it's scleroderma. The I mean, scleroderma is a known entity. That's the thing about it that makes it easier. It's like a known entity. Yes. We know what this is. And that is part of what made it easier. And then you just lucked into good care and you're going to stick with them. Yes. Do you, do you go to a big medical center for your care? Most of it I can get done within, you know, this hospital is connected to this office and they have their own dermatology center. So most of it I can get done the odd test. I may have to go somewhere else for, Mm -hmm. you know, the eye doctor, as I said, somewhere else, but I just collect that information and let them know, Hey, I checked out. I'm good to go. That's great. It is part of a large organization. And I find that particularly when you have zebras, the larger organization often, but not always is going to have more people looking at more diverse things And so you will find somebody who's interested in your particular niche. And the other thing you talked about, the issue of more women than men having autoimmune diseases. And that is true. No matter what variables you control for, women have more autoimmune illnesses. And why is that? So, I mean, I don't know why. I wish I knew. No, they they actually have it because they're women or are men completely underreporting this? No, no. I mean, that's what I mean. Because when you get sick enough, you report it. So Mm. no, it appears women really do. And my question, this is just my hypothesis, which someone sometime will do research and maybe figure it out. Does it have to do with the way our bodies are primed so that we do not reject fetuses? Is that why, is there some connection there? Is that why we, that also makes us more susceptible to autoimmune diseases? So anyway, other people have thought of that. It's not Mm -hmm. like I invented this brilliant idea, but it'll be interesting to see if that or it's something completely different. But what's beautiful is that people are exploring it now. The other thing is that there are people who like they somehow they ended up in some niche where they love researching and treating X disease that hardly anybody gets or, you know, whatever. And so there are people all over the country and all over the world who do that. So if you find that you have these symptoms and no one around you can figure out what it is, then perhaps get an advocate or someone to help you find who in the country is actually looking at that? Where can I find someone who's interested in this cluster of symptoms? And maybe they can figure out what I have because there are those people and it's time consuming and takes money and it's painful because you have to go through a bunch of procedures perhaps. But I always 
try to advocate for people don't give up and you have to go through, I always tell my clients, you probably have to go through a little bit of pain to get the answer because procedures are not fun and some of them are painful, but if we can get answers. Sometimes it's uh, about who you know. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing for patient advocacy as well, is that they're more familiar with the broader medical association throughout the country. Right. So if you do have one of the more rare diseases, your patient advocate might know who to get in touch with, who is actually doing that type of research. Thing I have said about advocacy is that the medical system is really algorithmic. I always do this with my hands when I'm say algorithmic, I spread my fingers out. So it's like you go down the pathways, you have the symptoms, you have the signs. Let's see, it could be one of these four things. We can do this test to rule that out. It's an algorithm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the end of that algorithm, there's, there's surgery, there's nothing, there's medicine, whatever it is. And this is like, it's not an algorithm. You have to be willing to take that tangled web. This is what I always do is like (laughs) do this with my hands of information and take it all and use it and like put it in little compartments and use it so that sometimes you can bring that out and use that for the client who has, oh yes, I heard about that thing. There's someone in Europe doing that. Mm -hmm. Let's check it out. The limits are that we don't know what we don't know is the limit it's Mm -hmm. not like you have some you don't have something it's that we just don't know so right we're going to keep working on it until we know or with autoimmune sometimes it's stacked because Mm -hmm. so many so many times it's like oh you don't just have one autoimmune disease you have three yes so so what's the symptom for each one it's really unfortunate that that is the case. That reminds me of something with, in terms of Raynaud's that you were talking about in the autoimmune. You can't test everybody with Raynaud's mm-hmm. for scleroderma. It would be, you know, a waste because the vast majority, scleroderma is really common. And that's one of the ones that is with so many different autoimmune diseases have have Raynaud's with it. Mm-hmm. So many. It's so really- you're not... Yes. So I have Raynaud's phenomenon. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I had it for years, whatever. <laughs> it's an indicator, right? It's it's, indicator. it's one of the things that says, it's, yeah, you may like, want to look here. You it may, may not be that, but right you know. But you wouldn't go immediately to scleroderma. Like you'd want other symptoms that right. would lead you mm-hmm. to scleroderma. Right. Because, so, well, yeah. That, yeah, my doctor never mentioned it at all when she right. actually diagnosed me yeah. when she with it. when she went here she didn't go down to the next level right <laughs> never mentioned she just it stopped and it was yeah it was that was to the end of 2019 so i had symptoms last year that i just thought was arthritis because i wasn't going to bar class i wasn't going to exercise i wasn't working right. out with my trainer it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah. man things are getting a little stiff i must it, it's age it's sitting mm-hmm. around my house doing nothing and it's still oddly, I still feel like that's just the inflammation still my knock on wood, I go tomorrow, still my only <laughs> indication of something there. And that is just because I had a friend, an acquaintance, I guess, whose mother passed away from it. So I knew that word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I saw it when I was like looking up Raynaud's because I was looking up, you know, arthritis, this, 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 and Raynaud's popped up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got that. Oh, scleroderma. That doesn't sound fun. And that's why I actually went to my doctor's like, is there a blood test that you can do for this specifically? And she's like, kind of rare, but sure, if you want it, comes back positive. <laughs> and I mean, it was lucky and unlucky both, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Dr. Cohen, this has been absolutely illuminating today. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Lori, you were the yes. one who hasn't worked with a patient advocate before. Yes. Do you have any other questions for Dr. I, Cohen? I do not. You covered everything so well. Thank and you. while I am glad that at this point, I do not need a patient advocate, it is so nice to know that there is that out there for people right. who are on the on the other side of the fence with needing the help. And right. it was so wonderful to meet you and hear. Thank you. And you, you too. Share all of that information with us. The final thing is sure. ginger and turmeric. Mm, I, so I literally had one of those little shots and I almost died in the car. <laughs> it's the that shot. It almost killed me on the way home. Amber Sun from Numi has ginger Love and turmeric gimmick. Love it. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Khan. Thank I really you again. Absolutely. It's so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. A little extra note. According to the CDC, in 2019, Americans spent over $3.8 trillion on healthcare. That's approximately $11,000 per person. Patient advocates can help you streamline the process and possibly pull down the cost of healthcare for your family. Thanks for joining us as we walked through patient advocacy with Dr. Seema Khan from Healthcare Advocacy Partners. Now that we've discussed our ideas, are there any recommendations about today's topic that you'd like to share? Drop us a comment on Instagram or become a Patreon member for special perks and bonus content. For a complete list of products, services, or other content mentioned in today's podcast, visit the links page on our website. Join us next time as we swoon into Valentine's Day. We'll give some history of the holiday and provide a few suggestions on how to make it a lovely day, no matter your relationship status. Follow us on Instagram for a sneak peek at next week's episode. Thanks for joining us. I'm Lori. And I'm Dallas. And this is the Two Redheads Walk Into a Podcast. The Two Redheads Podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. As with all our platforms and content, this podcast represents our own current personal views. These opinions do not represent those of any people, institutions, or organizations that we may discuss, mention, or recommend to our audience. At various times, we may provide reviews of products, services, or other resources. Any such reviews will represent the good faith opinions of the authors. You should conduct your own due diligence and should not rely solely upon any reviews provided by the authors. The products and services reviewed may be provided to the company for free or at a reduced price to incentivize a review. For more information about the disclosure of incentives received, please contact support at tworedheadswalkintofillpodcast.com. We are not licensed healthcare professionals, and our personal experiences addressed are what works for our bodies. None of what we say should be taken as medical advice. Please refer to your own physician for any medical needs and concerns.